right. Hello, everybody. I am Stephen Webb, and this is my friend, Tony DeVoyle, and this is the Walking Each Other Home podcast. Um, this is our first episode ever, so I just kind of want to take a minute to explain my heart about what Walking Each Other Home means. Um, I felt like God was asking me, he's asked me to do a lot of things, but he's prepared the way one step at a time, right? He's not going to give me more than I can handle. So this first step, I believe, is doing a podcast. And when I was thinking about what do I want to talk about, um, community came to mind, um, truth came to mind, and love came to mind, and just really um, wanting to talk about difficult topics that some people out there do talk about, but, you know, some churches and some leaders and some communities don't even know how to discuss certain topics or even want to, right? Mm -hmm. And there are people who are hungry for truth and they're hungry um, for any kind of wisdom from scripture to be shed on certain things. And so when I thought about that, I thought about this saying I've heard before, um, and it's it's kind of a common saying that somebody wrote a book, uh, but the first time I heard it was playing billiards pool with my good friend Bobby back home in South Carolina. And I can't remember what we were talking about, but she just looked at me and stopped me because I'm pretty sure I was probably like anxious about something. And she said, it's okay. We're just walking each other home. And that's always stuck with me for years. It's been, I've had that in my head, like, it's okay. We're just walking each other home. We are in this together. We are headed towards Jesus. We're headed towards heaven. We are all on a common goal, even if we have different opinions, viewpoints, um, denominations, mm -hmm. translations, you know, all of that. It's okay. We are all just walking each other home. And so that's what the title of the podcast means. Would you agree with that? Is there anything you would add? Yeah, I think of um, just a diversity of experience too. You know, um, with us being friends, we like a lot of coffee time, right? Meeting yeah. around coffee and just kind of <laughs> sharing our hearts and different experiences. Like you said, sometimes it's in the realm of marriage. Sometimes it's in the realm of, of singlehood and trying to figure all of that out and what that should look like. And there were just many times where we would be sort of, you know, having coffee and talking about a particular topic. Um, sometimes the, the conversation was born out of frustration just things going on in the world. Maybe more than sometimes. <laughs> Maybe a lot of times out of frustration. Tony, let's meet for coffee. I got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and there were times where we were really um, um, saying a lot of good things, I think, that were helpful mm -hmm. for each other. And um, you would say a lot of times, like, um, this really needs to be in a podcast. Like, yeah. There, there are things that we would share that um, we really felt would be beneficial to more people. And so really, you know, all of this is sort of born out of Stephen's desire to um, get the conversation going with you and, and um, sort of sh uh, having that outlet to share the things that are on our heart uh, from just a whole variety of different topics. So um, I'm excited to, to kick this off uh, with you um, Thanks. today. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're here and you've joined me. Um, you're one of the best friends I've ever had and... It's just really comforting having you here with me, but also like I know it'll challenge me as well at the same time. 
Um, and to what he said, you know, if you're out there listening, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on podcasts, um, you know, if you're on YouTube, especially, you know, you can put in the comments section questions you may have comments, um, you know, just anything you've just click that follow button, subscribe to our podcast. Uh, if you like the content and share it with your friends, cause that's how the truth gets out. Um, mm-hmm. the word gets out, you know, lives are changed even more. You just never know when one person that's, that's really my heart. Like if one person listens to this podcast and meets Jesus, it's worth it. That's it. Your work's done. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Let's mm-hmm. let's go get some coffee. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was just a brief introduction. Um, and today, uh, we are just going to dive right in. And what I want to talk about is church hurt, which is kind of, I think, a buzzword these days. I think 10 years ago, it might have been called something else, right? But the term church hurt has been going around more and more as people are, I think, in desperate need of Jesus, in desperate need of community, healthy community, Mm -hmm. and they are afraid to come back to church because of maybe something they experienced before, or they're judging church altogether based on something that their friends went through. They heard a story from somebody else, or they watched some movie that paints Christians or a church in a terrible light, and they don't want anything to do with the church. And I'm thinking of, I've seen this, there is, what is it? I've seen this uh, quote that's coming to mind right now that says, there is no hate like Christian love. Mm. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. And that really hurts me yeah. in a way and offends me in a way uh, because that is definitely something that is real for many people and their experience. But I think in those experiences, it was probably born out of an environment that wasn't healthy. It wasn't a healthy Christian community. Right. Right. A healthy Christian community is quite life-giving. And very healing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what is church hurt? Uh, I would define church hurt. I wrote some notes down, so I'm going to pick up my little book here. I actually got this book in Scotland. I hope you like it. <laughs> Ooh, I got fancy. it on the streets of Scotland. This guy <laughs> talked me into buying it, <laughs> and I loved it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to journal on that. But then it ended up becoming my podcast kind of like journal. So that's great. Um, uh, when I think about church hurt, you can you can think of it on a, a local level, right? Church hurt in a local community, in a body of believers who meet every Sunday and worship together. And then there's also church hurt globally, where v- vast populations have been hurt by the Christian church, right? Um, due to doctrinal beliefs or... <laughs> I mean, you can go all the way back to the Crusades or, you know, like there is church hurt everywhere. Uh, Unfortunately, in the name of Jesus, people have done some terrible things uh, and believe some terrible things. And so, but today's podcast, I want to focus on kind of church hurt as it relates to the local body of believers that if you walked in on a Sunday morning and experienced something in a church, you know, that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning with, with Tony here. Um... I think one of the 
hallmarks of church hurt is probably the damaging effects of poor leadership, mm-hmm. right? That's where it kind of trickles down from. If you've got poor leadership in a church, right, then the rest of the culture is going to follow suit. Um, and with that, I wanted to read First Timothy three, talking about what leadership in the church should be. And I am going to read out of the message version because uh, it has a, a bit of more modern take, you know, a little loose with the translation, but I I read it and I thought, you know what, that's that's really good. And I kind of want to just talk about First uh, Timothy 3 in the message version. So leadership in the church, if anyone wants to provide leadership in the church, good, but there are preconditions. A leader must be well thought of, committed to his wife, cool and collected, accessible and hospitable, he must know what he's talking about, not be overfond of wine, not pushy, but gentle, not thin-skinned, not money-hungry. He must handle his own affairs well, attentive to his own children and having their respect. For if someone is unable to handle his own affairs, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a new believer, lest the position go to his head and the devil trip him up. Outsiders must think well of him, or else the devil will figure out a way to lure him into his trap. The same goes for those who want to be servants in the church. So this is talking about not just the pastor, but maybe like you call them deacons or just elders, uh, people who serve in the church in general, who other people who may walk in for the first time see them as a position of leadership just because maybe they are greeting you at the door. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way down to that, right? Uh, So the same goes for those who want to be servants in the church. Serious, not deceitful, not too free with the bottle, not (laughs) in it for what they can get out of it. No, it doesn't say not to drink at all. It just says not too free. Right. They must be reverent before the mystery of the faith, not using their position to try to run things. Let them prove themselves first. If they show they can do it, take them on. No exceptions are to be made for women. Same qualifications. Serious, dependable, not sharp-tongued not overfond of wine, servants in the church are to be committed to their spouses, attentive to their own children, and diligent in looking after their own affairs. Those who do this servant work will come to be highly respected, a real credit to this Jesus faith. That's so good. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I, I love that um, in this, it's really pointing to the leader and the servers in the church and anybody who would have any kind of position in the ministry or serve in the ministry. Right. And by their commitment to this way of living, that breeds a really healthy culture uh, and really good leadership that people will want to submit themselves to. Mm -hmm. Right. What do you think? Give me your thoughts on what I just read and how it, like how how it could relate to church hurt. Yeah, so a lot of thoughts going off <laughs> as I'm listening to you. Um, the first one, when you talked about you referenced submission, there I immediately think about marriage, right? Where you know I feel like as a husband I have the harder job of loving my wife as Christ loves the church, mm-hmm. right? And if I'm doing that, then submission on her side is is easy. In the same way, when we when we see people in the body of Christ um, model the love of God, right, and how we're told that 
you know, we, we learn how to love others because he's loved us first. Yeah. So I think about, you know, um, how that was modeled for me 23 years ago through um, evangelist Carolyn Murphy and how she, you know, fit all these attributes that you just read off and made the, made uh, God attractive mm. to me. Thank you, Carolyn. Yeah, yeah. thank you, Carolyn. <laughs> but, you know, back to that point you made when you opened up about how uh, communicating truth and the way we communicate truth um, makes all the difference. Um, we were just at a, a marriage event this morning at our church, and they talked about how 7% of what you communicate, the actual words that come out of your mouth, uh, only 7% of the of the actual words find find meaning within the person. Like the other 93% is my body language and the tone in which I'm saying it. Mm. <laughs> so um, I think just keeping that in mind, you know, when we're leading and in, in communicating truth with people, it's, it's how we're saying it in the posture of our heart. Um, and sometimes that can get lost in translation. Um, and in some churches, unfortunately, and, you know, one demographic or one kind of person may really be favored and, and loved by that leader, but then another demographic or another kind of person that maybe they don't understand as much, maybe, maybe get a little harsher judgment mm. or, or not extended that same kind of grace and favor. So, yeah. um, uh, I think I was just kind of running through all that as you read that off uh, there. Um, I think of, you know, church hurt and, and what exactly it is. Like if you had to summarize it in one word, um, a lot of us are, are hurt because we're offended. Right. Uh, something's happened. Um, um, and I've seen everything from, oh, the pastor came in, didn't speak to me, so now I'm offended to like things more hardcore where maybe you weren't invited in a certain circle because you didn't fit the mold of that particular denomination or that mm. certain group. And so I love that the Greek word for offense is the word scandalon. And that word actually means trap. Mm. So, you know, the enemy looks to set traps in front of us to get us discouraged in our faith, to get us to you know, become offended in our in our faith community so that hopefully if we can stack up enough offense, we'll just tuck and run. Yeah. And we, we won't really dig into becoming a part of the body. And um it's a heart trap. Right? Yeah, it's a heart trap. That becomes that eventually becomes a mind trap. Mm-hmm. Right. First you're offended and then you immediately get closed off. Right from wanting to be vulnerable or close to those people. And in my own life, I've seen that's how it played out, right? And then it went from that into my mind right. as far as ruminating on that and creating even more reasons why I wouldn't want to go to church and creating more right. reasons why I'm offended, right? So, yeah. Makes it easy to want to forsake the fellowship, yeah, right? And even when we look at the physiology of the brain, when we've stacked up enough offense in our heart and our mind, we re when we rehearse those things, it does become um, almost natural to want to leave that body of believers. In particular, when you've got things going on in the world that are that are pulling at you, especially our young people. 
it's it's easier at least it looks easier you know in the natural to just forsake all of that and go your own way and do your own thing right right be your best self live your own truth you know all this kind of stuff that we're we hear on the on the that's safer mm-hmm and seemingly yeah, we know how to do seemingly that. more fun <laughs> right right and pleasurable yes but in the end that's also a trap in the long term yeah that's not for this podcast, but that's also <laughs> that's also like a form of bondage, yeah. right, on your life. And so when you're when you're talking about offense, I'm reminded of of you know what is church hurt and the things that create the offense in somebody, mm-hmm. especially in the church. I believe is again poor leadership. Right. You have abuse, uh, which would be we have seen examples in the church of abuse of power for sure, uh, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, and spiritual abuse. All yeah. of those abuses, right? Um, legalism is a huge mm-hmm. piece that causes church hurt a lot. Um, living by the letter of a law rather than under any grace. You know, if you're, if you're new to the faith, that's kind of what that would mean. Someone's telling you you have to meet certain standards before you have the favor of God or Jesus. And that's not Jesus. So if you're hearing that, tell them that's not Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, gossip is one that could cause people to get offended in the church. Like, you know, I'm thinking of someone who puts them in the position of like counseling at the church. Right. And in the name of wanting to pray for the person, they break <laughs> they break confidentiality Yeah, and go and tell their prayer group. I'm just telling you so you can pray about it. And then some, right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pray for brother, for a sister, so-and-so, right? And then somebody in that group goes and tells another group and another group. And all of a sudden people are creating stories out of something that may not even exist. Mm -hmm. Right. And that creates church hurt, right? Gossip is definitely one of those things. And that's why scripture says, don't be a gossip. (laughs) Um, And I also wrote down like just sinning against a fellow believer in general, Mm -hmm. just like any kind of way that you could harm somebody in the name of Jesus, right? Right. Um, I think is just extremely hurtful and what causes that offense. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, And scripture even tells us, you know, to sort of piggyback on what you just said, you you know, some things are sort of in the gray area and would even be allowable for for me to do as far as my conscience with with God but um you know if I'm around my friend and and that would would potentially cause him or her to to struggle then I should avoid that for the sake of my friend right mm-hmm. um so I, I think those are, are are good things to keep in mind um you know it's interesting because uh, I like to think sometimes um, offense is not a part of our expectation when we come into the body of Christ, right? We we right. don't we we assume that because we've had this experience with Christ and and He's perfect and He's wonderful and loving at all times and His love is unconditional and especially in those those early years of our faith walk, you know, Jesus just becomes everything to us. Um, most times. And sometimes we can, if you're like me, you can feel a little confused when you start to see that, well, everybody in the body of Christ 
doesn't love me perfectly like Jesus does. Right. And so um, I want to talk a little bit about the expectation for church hurt. Yeah, while you're switching to that, this is our first go at it, so I'm just going to check the screen to make sure we're still... Still recording? Still going. <laughs> the screensaver came on, and I'm like, Lord Jesus. Okay. But... Um, a lot of times we talk about worldview, and when we consider, you know, Jesus saying that we come to know him more through the fellowship of suffering, well, you know, not to be a, a, a downer here, but, you know, a part of our suffering is is going to be within the church. Jesus experienced it from, you know, well, multiple people, and ultimately it was the religious elect that that killed him. <laughs> it was the church people. Yeah, the Pharisees, and then we look at what happened with Judas and that that ultimate offense there that right. sort of spurred everything on. So I mean, when we when we talk about the topic of church hurt, there's no one that ever lived that experienced that to the level that that Jesus did. But you know, in 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 coming into the church, coming into that fellowship and sort of finding yourself, I think of um of a scripture that's pretty familiar. It's Luke 10, and it's, uh, I'm sorry, Luke 16, 10 says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very, in a very little is also dishonest in much. So, you know, sometimes you'll hear, oh, if you're faithful over a few things, God will make you ruler over much, is sort of the common um, quote. But I want to jump down to 12. It says, if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Hmm. Some translations say another man's vineyard, right? And so a lot of times, especially in those those early um, years of our walk with God, God will, will call us to be faithful to someone else's vision. Yeah. Right? And submit under that leadership. That's right. right. And, and, and um, you know, talking about, uh, I love at our church, there's over the doorway, it says, you know, humility is the key to everything. Right, so 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 humility is the key to even unlocking the gifts and the talents and the things that God's called you and I to do, um, even individually. But you know, we don't, we usually don't just jump right into that. I mean, the school of the Holy Spirit, everything is kind of flipped upside down That's from what right. we see in the world, and and God is going to call us to humble ourselves and to submit ourselves to some kind of authority. And usually you're not only going to see it in your church, you're going to see it in your in your work, among your friends, in your marriage because it's not just wives that submit to their husbands. I mean, that's a that's a dual thing. There's there's times where the husband is going to need to yield and maybe compromise and yield to the needs of his wife because that's what he should be concerned about when you get married. So, uh I think if if part of our expectation is to have to deal with offense, then when it comes, we're not so shocked by it. Right. We we do need the tools to be able to experience it and mm-hmm. not have a knee jerk reaction that I'm just going to switch churches now. Right. Right. Yeah. There. I mean, there are there are moments when you can have a split. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing. Right. Right. But not every offense should cause the knee-jerk reaction of I'm just leaving. Right. Right. And oftentimes it gets personal. Like, 
Holy Spirit will get down to your area code right to where you live with the offense. <laughs> and you may serve someone uh, who doesn't communicate as well as you, right? who doesn't have the business know-how that you have or the music talent that you have or the speaking ability, the leadership ability, the I mean, the whole management of resources. Right. You know, I all- do not have the compassion you have. <laughs> I just... I'm just gonna be honest. Yeah. I don't like. We took Different the test. We took the tests, right? <laughs> yeah. And I just don't have. It's not high. I'm not high on the scale of that. That's okay. <laughs> high in many other ways, right? And we tend. We tend. God is so infinite in His wisdom and knows every hair and has numbered every hair on our head and is so intimately involved with us that He tends to bring us into the family in the way that we'll receive it. Oh yeah. So if you're if you um are by nature a more compassionate person, he may use a compassionate leader to draw you in, mm. right? Or perhaps you're in a different season of life, maybe a season of rest, a season of re- understanding and learning and receiving the grace of God. You know, you you may get a friend put in your path who's really good at extending that to you. Mm. You know, God's just not some nebulous God in the clouds, right? He he moves through his body yes. and wants to give you and I an experience with him through the body, right? Mm. So sometimes I like to say, you know, people come in for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. And in being able to discern that with the Holy Spirit and and receive all that God has from you through his body at the same time being willing to be that for someone else glory right yeah (laughs) yes yeah so now i'm moving from a place of uh my own healing and my deliverance and and my calling and sort of being used by god to now unleash other people that Mm -hmm. are that are coming up behind me and so i'm i'm moving from a from a, a sort of um as the Bible says, moving from just the milk of the word to dealing with some tougher things right. and, and helping other babies that are coming up in the yes. faith along. Yes. So, And I think even back to the, the purpose of the podcast, that's really your heart, right? Yes. It's, it's taking years of experience and unfortunately years of hurt and turning it for the good of someone else. Uh, and, and I think that that's the natural progression. I mean, that's where where God would have you to where you just kind of can't shake it, right? Like Elijah said, fire shut up in my bones, right? Like I have something to say, right? and I need to get it out for the benefit of other people, you know? Um, That's so good. Yeah, we're not meant to be just reservoirs (laughs) that don't have a spout. Yeah, that's good. To pour out for other people, Mm -hmm. right? Um, we are meant to take the blessing that we've been given to bless others, right? We are just a conduit. Mm-hmm. What comes in like from heaven and we receive to give out, right? And I think if we're always of that mindset and connected so close to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, like we will be, we individually will be less of a perpetrator of any kind of like a church hurt. Okay. on other people if we're very sensitive to the Holy Spirit right and genuinely caring for other people right and you you have taught me a lot about compassion that even though I joked earlier that's not high on the scale for me <laughs> but I see how you interact with people I see the line of work you do I see um, uh, just how gentle you are and grace-filled you are 
-hmm. And it's so counter the upbringing I had, which everywhere I was, was extremely legalistic. Yeah. Everywhere. Literally. It's taken me (laughs) so long to break out of that. And Mm -hmm. I still have it in me, you know, to put myself in that box again. But I, but now I'm so aware of it. And now legalism is very uncomfortable for me. Right. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jesus for that. (laughs) Yeah. It, It reminds me of what I think Pastor Allen said recently where, you know, grace is not greasy and just an excuse to go forward in legalism, white knuckling. It's not an excuse to, uh, go forward in sin, but grace is empowerment to live above it. Yeah. Right. Grace gives me that bird's eye view and perspective that God has not only about me, but for those around me and allows me to sort of step above or look up, look from above whatever they're struggling with and call them in the same way that God sees them. Right. Right. Uh, so grace is just, it's, it's above all the legalism, all the performance-based uh, living, all the people-pleasing that we get into, even the things that we lift up at, in high regard in our culture. Grace kind of just messes all that up right. and says, you never deserved it, and you're never going to be enough, but because of what I've done for you, because of how I've died for you, I've, I've made you enough. Yeah. Right. I'm an, you're an already not yet. Right. Yeah. You, you, God sees you already there, complete in Him, even though we're still in this process while we're in this body that, that we're enduring. And, um, I think of Joyce Meyer, how she says, you know, uh, I'm an already not yet. I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Amen. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm okay and I'm on my way. Yes. Right. I find myself saying that every day. Like, yeah, okay, you don't always want to get up early in the morning and show up for all these people that have a list of demands for you. And, you know, you're doing all that while you still are maybe struggling with some things personally, internally. But, you know, knowing that God's got that, it's already done. It is finished. Right. Like, he paid for it all. Yesterday's mistakes, the mistakes I'm about to make today, and the ones tomorrow. Right. And um, that just goes against everything that you said that we're often taught and the environments that we grow up in. Right. You know, I was never taught. I can't like maybe they read the scripture, but it was always, OK, we're just going to blow past the grace scriptures <laughs> and talk about the laws and yeah. talk about like who's going to hell. Right. Isn't Let's talk nice? about this. Isn't lift. that nice? And that's so great. I'm like, well, I have not a chance in hell right to <laughs> the first one on that train <laughs> right so but i it is so counter what i grew up with that i'm literally i confess just this year i'm 41 years old mm-hmm. just this year am really letting it sink in how grace frees me yeah and does not bind me to a set of actions and laws and markers that I will never be able to meet, standards I'll never be able to meet, right? Mm -hmm. Grace literally frees me to not sin. That's right. I literally just got that this year, Mm -hmm. right? 
my because just the way I was brought up, I always like, woe is me. Right. I sinned today. 58 times, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? In different ways, right? And that kind of mindset perpetuated more sin because I sat in the shame of it. And instead of looking to Jesus for the grace and mercy, I was down on myself. And how do I act when I'm down on myself? It's to medicate or to lash out, right? And do more sinning. So this year has been so, thank you, Jesus, just so revelatory in my own life that grace frees me to not sin. And I, that just sounds so weird to me, but it it just is, it, it's so beautiful to know that God gives us free will to choose as we wish to live our lives, mm-hmm. right? And His grace, the beauty of it and the beauty of His love frees me to not choose anything other than him and what he wants. It's the disruption. I'm about to have a moment. I'm going to run around this room. Glory. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the disruption (laughs) and the awareness that I have a choice. Yeah. The awareness that I have a choice. You know, as I'm looking at this green grass, I'm thinking like, (laughs) he, he made me to lie down in green pastures. Right. Right. He, he he made me to go sit down somewhere right. <laughs> and not carry Rest. all of the burdens of the world yes. and the things within me that I can't figure out. Let I can, You can't even figure yourself out, let alone all these <laughs> other people in your life. Right. God created you to rest in Him. And when you really get that, it's one thing to read that. It's another thing to get the revelation of it. Yeah. In your everyday life to where you understand that, yeah, when I'm faced with that thing that I've faced all of my life, I can change my response and I can actually sit down and rest in Christ and and trust him, especially for those harder things. Right. Right. And even those areas that aren't maybe aren't as much of a struggle with it, we still need him to help us do well consistently. Right. And so yeah, that's good. Um, that's a that revelation. It does. It, it changes absolutely every part of right. your life. Absolutely. I love um, we kind of talked through this before and there's something that you said that I we're not I don't want us to miss it. But here. But you said, stop trying to disqualify people from the goodness of God. Mm you know, when we when we read through the fruit of the spirit in Galatians five, there's no spirit of criticism, right? I mean, there's no you know there might be like the guy today at our church talked about a critical eye, but it's not a critical spirit. That's not a fruit Does of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's, it doesn't it, come from Jesus. It's not. And so, what is it about us if if we find ourselves constantly wanting to disqualify someone, especially if it's someone? younger in the faith than us. Yeah. We got to kind of step back and ask, you know, what is that really about? And, you know, uh, seek God for, for, for healing in that. Because I don't want to be, the last thing I would ever want to be is somebody's stumbling block in the church, right? Right. <laughs> so um, I thought that was really good. Like, it should be just the opposite. You know, we're told that those of us who are spiritual should restore our brother to Christ. Yeah. And it's peacemakers that should see, that should inherit the kingdom of God. 
And so that should really be our focus. How can we qualify someone? How can we call the qualified? See those things within the people around us and say, hey, have you ever noticed that you're really good in this particular area? Or I think you really have this gifting and sort of calling that out and and helping people find their their unique identity in Christ. Right. Yeah, I was there was a recent example. So some of this revelation I had this year was because I read this older book called Grace Awakening, which is by Charles or Chuck Swindle. It has a lot of very early 90s examples of things. <laughs> Maybe, you know, just some of the things he would give examples of make me laugh because it reminds me of like seeing my mom in church and mm. and whatnot. Um, but just his book has really just kind of shifted things for me. And even though it's an older book, it has a lot of wisdom in it. It's really good about some of the older about, stuff is the best. Actually, yeah. It's <laughs> a lot less me focused. Yeah. Which is kind of the current age. We'll talk about that later on a different podcast. <laughs> but um yeah, I f- and I forgot where I was going with that, but that it's just kind of where the revelation has come for me this year, uh, is through his words in that Grace Awakening book and pointing to all the all the scripture, right? about grace and him painting the picture of who in the church are grace killers is what he calls them in the book. Yeah. They're a grace killer. Are you a grace giver or a grace killer? Mm -hmm. Right. And I've been surrounded by grace killers for quite some time Mm -hmm. in my life. I had a pastor that used to say, we used to quote um, the scripture. Um, I think I have it somewhere in here, but it, I don't remember exactly where it is, but it talks about how the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And he was like, you know, hell hath no fury, like, you know, a church member scorned. Right. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, it's not so much um, the enemy as much as it is like us tearing one another down within the church that it is, is more of the um, threat there. You said something else too, or one of us did. Uh, stand in the gap, don't create one. Yes, right. That's that's <laughs> yeah. That I, I said that yesterday uh, as we were planning this. It just came to mind, and I'm like, yeah, you should stand in the gap and not create one. And what the, what I meant by that was, there are people who, by their grace killing nature, or by their legalistic nature, or critical nature. Mm-hmm will create a gap between another individual and God. Maybe it's a new Christian who's needing to learn from a little more seasoned Christians what it really means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Christ. And we should be renewing our mind daily and getting Mm -hmm. from glory to glory, right? We shouldn't be reverting back to old ways of thinking if we're Christians. Really, I mean, we really shouldn't. We should constantly be progressing towards Jesus and to do something to someone in the church that creates a gap between them and God is a sin, mm-hmm. right? It really is. Uh, it's a sin against that person. Um, and so I just, I only said that for like people to be mindful of just how you're interacting every day with your fellow believers and non believers alike. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be known by our fruit. We're going to be known by how people make us feel, my Angelo, yeah. right? They'll remember how we made them feel, not what we said, mm-hmm. right? Or even what you did. Right. So, uh, yeah, just standing in the gap and not creating it because just the way humans work, we will see God through other people 
right? And we will think about God through the lens of how we've been treated by God's people. Yes. I think that's natural for right. every one of us to do. I know right. I do it. Um, we are representative of the body of Christ. That old song, you know, that they will know we are Christians by our love, right? Mm. And I want to talk for just a minute about how, you know, we really shouldn't go to withdraw something from a person when we haven't made any deposits. Right. Right. And we understand that correction is a part of God's love, but we really need to have a, a really basic foundational understanding of the love of God first. Right. Because it's in that... That we that we come to learn that correction is a, is just a part of it. Right, it's one part of it. But Proverbs twenty seven six: Faithful are the wounds of a friend; profuse are the in, are the kisses of an enemy. Right. So um, again, speaking to that investment, when I've loved a person well first, when I've yeah, your sh- wounds have been very faithful. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just no, it's good. <laughs> it's received differently. Right. You know, when you know someone has your best interest at heart and you know, sometimes this can be hard in trying to raise kids because <laughs> they're they're they forget that sometimes. But, you know, we we really shouldn't be offering a lot of uh criticism or correction of someone where we haven't made an investment. I like what right. Joyce says, you know, right. don't have so many opinions where you don't have responsibility. Right. Right. So, you know, have you really poured into this person before you're offering them all this correction? Or are you just sort of like, you know, designated yourself as sister or brother, you know, correct everything. Right. <laughs> correct <laughs> you know? and criticize. Right. Right. Rather than just get to know them first. Just get to know them. Love them. Mm-hmm. You can't. Clean a fish before you catch it. That's good. Right? Yeah. So just chill. And then, you know, <laughs> when I think of, uh, was it Matthew 7, 6, where he's talking about, you know, you're worried about the splinter in your brother's eye and you got a big old log in yours. Right. And, uh, you know, first go back and take care of that thing that we can all visibly see. You know, you're maybe a hothead or, you know... Um, full of self and pride or, or whatever the case, you know, go handle that. You know, don't don't try to compensate for your own weakness and insecurity by calling someone else out and trying to get a leg up over them so you can feel better about yourself. That's right. Right? Uh, and I, th- I think sometimes that's a, a, a common thing. And at the end of the day, Philippians 2.12, work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. That's a nice way to say, mind your business, <laughs> right? right. Work, work, worry about yourself, right? Uh, right. Like we like to hear, like, you got enough junk before God right. to sort through and deal with than to be worrying about somebody else's junk. Right. And I think that's the tendency, especially some of, among some of us men who tend to be competitive or always scanning other men for what they have and what, what successes they've made. And instead of just worrying about, you know, no, who am I? What have I been called to that's uniquely for me that I'm to do well, right? So sometimes it's even in our our American competitive nature 
to be worried about what other people have or what other people are doing. Right. And, and, you know, Holy Spirit just kind of comes in and takes a wrecking ball to all that. <laughs> right. And for the religious people out there, this isn't <laughs> negating all correction. It's not negating having difficult conversations. Right. When you see something that needs to be addressed, mm-hmm. but there is a way to address it. The and there is a spirit of yeah. how you should address it. And most of the time, if you don't even really know that person, unless you've been invited into that space, it's not yours to address. Right. That's what I think. For sure. Yeah. Because it's not going to be received well. Right. You know, it's it's just going to mm-hmm. either cause the offense or they're just going to ignore you. Yeah. <laughs> right? It, may, so, it can make do more harm than good. Right. Yeah. And that's where real wisdom comes in. And understanding that, you know, I'm not the only one with a gift of discernment about a particular person. And usually the gift of discernment is to lead me to know how to pray, mm-hmm. not run my mouth to, <laughs> right. to other people, right? Right, right. But um I this whole this whole topic of church hurt, I really want to sort of unpack some of your, you know, we we've talked about some things to look look for. Uh, we've we've talked about what you know some scriptures say about uh, uh, church or offense, but I want to get down to kind of where you where you've lived, um, and if you could just kind of share with us, um, you you mentioned sort of a life of legalism. Mm. Um, if you could share a couple of instances that really sort of helped, really what shaped your initial impression of like what the church was and, and maybe in how you were hurt. Um, let's talk about that a little bit because I think some of a lot of our listeners are going to relate to some of what you have been through. Sure. I mean, how much time do we have? <laughs> I mean, it's your <laughs> podcast. No. no, it's our podcast. It is your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> right. The podcast for the people. <laughs> um, wow. So, I'll, I'll briefly touch on childhood. Mm-hmm. I was raised in a Pentecostal church, and I'm talking rolling on the floor, rolling around on the walls, Sha-na-na. modesty blankets. Hey, glory. Yes. You know, she fell out, go put a blanket over her, you yeah. know, keep her modest, that kind of thing, even though she already got an ankle skirt on, right? <laughs> so she already wearing a blanket. But anyway, uh, so I was raised in a Pentecostal church. At the same time, I was going to a school, kindergarten through 12th grade. That was Southern Baptist, mm-hmm. related to um, uh, Bob Jones University. And they have very stark differences, mm-hmm. right, in the way they believe, especially about the Holy Spirit. Right. I, I would always just kind of like joke that I was always confused about who the Holy Spirit was in my life because at school, it was the Holy Ghost, and we didn't really... We didn't really talk about that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a helper. The end. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then over here at my church, again, you've got people rolling around in the pews, speaking in tongues, anointing people's heads with oil, laying on of hands, you know. Yeah, that's a that's a big jump there. Yeah. And so I had both of those <laughs> kind of conflicting views. And because my parents got divorced and kind of fell out of the church... I was still going to Southern Baptist school, no longer going to Pentecostal church, right? So about 
11 years old up to 17 years old was all Southern Baptist in the Christian school teaching, which, you know, extremely legalistic viewpoints on faith, you know, you know how colleges would come in to visit mm-hmm. to try and promote their colleges. I remember some of them were were playing the devil's music. You know, they had a guitar. Oh no, they had drums. Yeah, and I remember them being like, "You're gonna have to leave the the drums in the van if you want to come in and and speak to our students." <laughs> and it's like you know, just that kind of mm. you know mindset in the '90s in that kind of environment. And so um, that's how I was raised. And I, I remember my mother having a lot of church hurt, actually, mm-hmm. in that Pentecostal church uh, before she left it. And just a weird example, my, my mother is and was very beautiful, st- like strikingly beautiful, uh, you know, brunette woman, um, and very just powerful in presence very charismatic in presence. Yeah. Um, she mm, kind of like just thinking about it hurts my heart a little bit because people tried to put her light out so much. Right. And I know what that feels like. I know mm-hmm. what that feels like. People just, Ooh, you shine too bright. Mm, yeah. You're, you, you can shine to this level, but don't, don't, right. Don't get in yeah. the clouds with it. And she was the first, <laughs> right. <laughs> She was the first woman in the in that church to wear a pair of pants. <gasps> Miss Donna. G A S P. Gasp. Gasp it big. <laughs> she Miss Donna. <laughs> Funny. Her name's Donna. Uh yeah. So she was the first woman to wear pants. She was really beautiful. She didn't kind of really like the structure of things too much. Mm-hmm. Um, with the way the church was handled, and she's a little outspoken, you know, trying to help. Right. Gosh. We're very much alike, my mom and me. Yeah. <laughs> Same was, here with mine. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> um, and because of that, you know, just little mm-hmm. things would happen where, rec- you know, things, requests denied for her. Or she, we built a brand new house and she had a housewarming party. Mm-hmm. And she invited everybody at the church who were her friends. Not one person showed up. I remember that night and like everything being set up. And I'm pretty sure if my memory serves correctly, like she was super sad. Right. And I didn't really understand it at the time. I didn't know what was going on. And I remember we up and left and went to KW Cafeteria. No <laughs> no one came. Yeah. Right. And it all that prep and everything. But even just that little glimpse of their attitudes towards her, mm-hmm. that was it. Yeah. Right? She didn't really want to be a part of that anymore. Right. And so that was kind of church hurt for her. Um, and impacted you and your yeah. view. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I went away from God after the... I'll give my full testimony at a different date, but just kind of like blipping through the radar here is just... So that's how I was brought up. I kind of left the church from 17 to 26 years old. And at 26 years, 27 years old, I was in Nashville and started attending this church where for the first time ever, I really felt like I actually 
understood salvation and gave my heart to Jesus in 2007. And that was a monumental moment for me because growing up like I did, I gave my life to Jesus every week because if you didn't, <laughs> you were going to hell. Oh, yeah, I remember Basically, that's how it was at that yeah. school. You know, we literally had someone pray for us <laughs> in math class before a test. Okay. Lord Jesus, give these kids nightmarish visions of hell to save them and bring them to your salvation and, do this and to algebra. the ch- and to the children who didn't study, may they forget everything on their test and learn their lesson. Wow, that's the kind of thing I'm, we were dealing with. Right, right. So to Goodness. go. So I, I gave already my, hate math. Yeah, I, I gave, all that. I gave my life to Christ every, every week out of fear. Right. So anyway, I gave my life to Christ. I feel officially. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I meant it as a kid. But just as an adult, just like really knowing and understanding was around 27 years Mm -hmm. old-ish in 2008. And that church was great for a lot of reasons, like full of the Holy Spirit, lots of really great teaching, but it also had a program for men like me who struggle with same-sex attraction and... That program, in and of itself, was very legalistic, right? I just wanted hope. I just wanted, mm-hmm. I just wanted Jesus. I just wanted to like not have to think about this anymore. And that's how I felt the that they were going to go with it. Um, and probably happy that they even had a program until correct. you figured out. Yeah, because I remember was. I remember sitting down in that church on the <clears> Sunday morning <throat> and just thinking. The very first Sunday I visited, a man gave his testimony, and he worked at the church, and he talked about how he used to be gay for years, like a decade and a half or so, and met Jesus, gave his life to Christ, has been on this journey since, now he's married, Mm -hmm. all of this stuff, right? And that was the first sermon I heard at that church was this man's testimony, and and I felt like God was like... I have you here for a reason. Right. That's the first time I felt in probably two decades since I was a kid that I felt the audible voice of God mm-hmm. say, I have you here for a reason. Right. Listen. Like, and it was just plain as day to me. Like, someone's talking about this. It was 2007. Finally, they don't yeah. talk about it in church. <laughs> right. So that was amazing. So then I joined this program, but unfortunately, you know, the program ended up being a little bit legalistic and although helpful in many ways, hurtful in a lot of ways. Right. You know, there was a literal contract we had to sign to be in the program. And some of the things that I remember were discussed. I don't know if they were on the contract themselves, but I remember discussing being in the group was you got to get rid of all your Madonna CDs. (laughs) Can't go to gay clubs. Right. Right. No one-on-one time with someone of the same sex. If you have sexy underwear, that makes you feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. Throw it away. It was all these like boxes to check. And as I look back, I'm like, where was Jesus in this? Like, where was like 
pointing to Jesus right. instead of discipleship and mentorship and and checking off these boxes for the sake of just doing all of those things, right? It's back to your point about trying to clean the fish before you catch it. Right, right. And so that program did a lot of harm. By the grace of God, I am where I am now, mm-hmm. 13, 14 years later, but that's not that's not the, the same for 90% of the people who attended that group. Right. They're all... Uh, openly gay identifying they're in that community living with their partner or husband or single and mingling too much. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, they're out in the world still trying to find their love and their hope and their peace outside of church because that hurt them. For sure. Yeah. That was very long winded. So yeah, no, it's, (laughs) you know, when, when you were sharing this with me, uh, when you've shared it before, you you mentioned that I wa- I white knuckled for approval and I gave up because I got tired. Oh yeah. And so you know I, when you mentioned all the people that have sort of fallen away over the years, you know when you are when your walk with Christ is not grace and truth inspired and there's not that balance of grace and truth, yeah. you're gonna wear out. If you don't really get an understanding of the love of God, the unconditional, even undeserved love of God and and the grace of God, good luck. Because the enemy, if he can't destroy you, he's going to try to wear you down. That's that's exactly what happened. Yeah, Yeah, if he can't take you out, he's going to try to wear you out. And so... You know, those those things are, are super important to keep in mind that I don't want to be a tool of the enemy. You know, we war not against flesh and blood, right? But against spiritual things, wickedness in high places. I don't want to be even unknowingly used by the enemy right. to make someone else, especially another brother or sister in Christ, feel less than right, or, or not qualified, not good enough. Or, or, you know, you can't come into this club or this group until you meet all these prerequisites. Well, good luck with that because, I mean, especially our young people today, they're wired to long for real genuine connection because everything offered through things like this and and the media are so false and empty that they're literally starving for genuine connection. Yeah, and let me talk about one aspect that really kind of made me kind of like my mom, like this one thing happened and I'm like, I just don't, I don't think this is for me mm-hmm. anymore. I don't enjoy this. Um, I remember being, so this, this particular church was very strong in discipling people and mentoring people. At, and it was, it was in a very legalistic way. And I say that I don't try to just use that buzz term it really was. It was very much, if you don't have a mentor at church mm-hmm. as a younger person, what are you doing? Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. Right? Yeah. If you're not reading your Bible every day and journaling, mm. Mm, maybe that's why your leg wasn't healed. Right? You, your faith that's isn't strong enough. That's how a lot enough. of us think. Yeah, your faith isn't strong enough because you're not in the Word every day and you're not journaling and meeting with your mentor and confessing to him your sins, right? Which is the structure there. 
right? Never worthy enough. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that was one piece that wore me out, right? Because at the same time that I'm confessing things to these mentors, what are you doing? Right? What yeah, is let that? Me, let me see your cards. Can I, mean, I see you got your them. browser history too? Hello. It just didn't. Yeah. So there's there's <laughs> that, right? And I do remember, you know, like 80 to 90% of men in the church and in the world uh, being addicted to pornography and struggling with that. And the way they made you check check off the box and like have covenant eyes, like all of these tools are good for a re- like a season and a reason, right? They are they are meant to help. But really, the ultimate help that I've discovered this year is God's grace, mm-hmm. right? It's God's grace that's really going to seal the deal on you being free to not to choose to not do that anymore, right? And so, in that season, when I confessed one time because I was on the worship team, I was helping do background vocals and in their choir, and sometimes I help lead a song or two. Um, but I remember confessing that I had some sexual things going on one week that were really strong. I gave in a couple of times and the answer was, well, we're going to take you off the worship team for six months. First off, what's six months? a long time. Six months got to do with it. Like, right. Is that some magic number somewhere? Where's the Bible? Is there a prescription? Yeah. In the in the Bible, like like a doctor would write a prescription. These you cookie know? cookie cutter standards, yeah, right. For everybody, and so that really hurt me and made it. And I remember being in church every Sunday after that, looking and seeing people that I knew who had some things going on up on that platform. Oh yeah. And what it spoke to me was your sin is, is worse. a lot worse and more gross. Yeah, you're dirty. And dirty mm-hmm. than the pastor's son-in-law who's a drug addict that no one knows about. Right. Right. That missionary over there who's sleeping around on his wife. Right. He's still up there talking about his missions trips. Right. And so it really like did a number on me. For sure. Because now, now credibility is an issue. Right. And it, it makes you question the entire foundation of what this is. That's right. Yeah, it's, it reminds me of the, I mean, not to be mean, but, you know, the 400-pound pastor in my hometown who was being really hard on the gays. And it's like, I mean, we can visibly look at you and see that you're grossly addicted to food. Right. And you're going to be ugly toward people who've probably been beat up enough in their life. The church has done so much to hurt the, the gays, the For LGBT sure. community. Yeah. You've done enough damage. Yeah, we we have contributed, whether we want to admit it or not, we've contributed to this monstrous pride movement. Yes, that's uh, right. And 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 the sort of raising fists at the church and 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 anger with the church, um, because we've gotten things out of order with how we with how we should. Oh, uh, love that's these folks. Be on the next on yeah, podcast that's a whole, later. That's yeah. a whole another topic there. Um, <laughs> and we do. We, we, we tend to forget sometimes the way that, that we were drawn and how no matter where you are, what your station in life is, the Holy Spirit is always inviting you to a next level up. Right. Whether you're trying to fish yourself out of the pit 
or whether you've got some victory under your belt and you're 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 living a life moving from glory to glory, you're still a work in progress. Yeah. So how dare me for me to look down on somebody who's just starting or trying their best to start, right? How how dare someone like me, you know, criticize someone who uh, is struggling in a way that I just don't like. Yeah, right? and even even more, <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, I think it's the Holy Spirit. What if in that moment, the answer to me would have been, I'm so sorry that you're feeling a way that makes you want to turn to pornography. And thank you for telling me. And, and thank confessing. you for telling me. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the month leading up to the week you just had. Hello. Right? What uh, happened yeah, to it's you? It's making me like what happened to you? What yep. what was missing from me as your leader? Ooh. Your mentor. Yeah. Your community. How could we do better to help you in these moments feel like you have somewhere else to turn? Right. And oh by the way, I see you coming to worship rehearsal and, and the things with the music, but instead of pushing you out, I want you to press in. Yes. We, we've got to learn instead that of, when we're in the yeah. throes of temptation, the way of escape is to press in. The way of escape is to tell God the hard things. That's correct. Or confess to a friend that you don't know how to move out of this thing. Right. And you're seeking not only help, but healing through that confession. And so, um, yeah, the answer would have been no. Like, let's get you pressed in even more. Because usually what a person is void of when they're stuck in a sin is a new experience with the body of Christ, right? We overcome evil with good. We don't overcome evil with legalism. It's just another flavor of evil. Right. Right. You know, like right. that's doing no good. I've if if when someone's self-medicating when they're stuck in something, they haven't moved into the good experience, the fullness of it that God has for them. So yes, as that spiritual leader or director of that group, how can I really love this person well and how can God use me to be a vessel to flood this person with the goodness and the love of God? Right. Right. And my, my heart behind sharing that example, you know, I've had plenty of therapy in my life and (laughs) great friends. Therapy's great. And Jesus, like I'm no longer offended by that. I'm not, I'm not hurt by it anymore, but you know, I hear people like Joyce Meyer. You like to listen to Joyce Meyer. She will literally repeat the same talking points because new people are listening to her, you know, every day. And it, it's not that I still feel offended. I just wanted to be clear. I'm not like still offended by it, mm-hmm. but it did. But somebody else is still offended. So Correct. That's good. Yeah. And so I've done my work to get through it. And my, my example is, is twofold for people out there like me, who've been hurt like that, there is hope and there mm-hmm. are really great communities and yeah, Jesus is up. full of grace, mm-hmm. right? And just receive that for yourself. Um, but also 
uh, to leaders out there who find themselves maybe acting like my leader did. Right. And if you happen to be listening to this, like take it as a Mm -hmm. gentle Holy Spirit correction to maybe adjust your approach to people when they come to you with these things. Right. Yeah. And I've certainly, I haven't experienced things to the level that, that you did. Um, but I have found myself based on experiences on, you know, maybe a church staff or a chaplain corps staff to the air force. Um, when I go into a place because I've, I've, I've seen behind the curtain in a lot of places I've seen that, you know, pastors put their pants on just like you and I do and, and they struggle through things and, um, they don't always handle it the right way. And, you know, I've been, you know, accused before of, of leaving a ministry because I was going to chase money mm. because, you know, because you, you needed to provide for five people. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, gave them the warning up front that, hey, you know, something's going to kind of have to give here. Making $20,000 a year here right? at church isn't going to cut it. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And so, again, you know, back to that whole reason, season, lifetime, there's times where I needed to move from a thing because it was seasonal. And I was accused by really, you know, higher ups of of having the wrong motive or or just even, I think, most church leaders, if they were to be honest, there were times where they really wanted to be considered for something or wanted to get a stab at an opportunity. And for whatever reason, you know, they weren't. And not everybody can get every opportunity, but I have experienced that enough in my life to where I'll be honest, when I go into a church, I don't, I avoid seeing behind the curtain. Right. I don't want to know what's going on. I don't want to know. I just want to see Sunday morning. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. Give me, the, you know, I just want to, I want my family to be fed. I want to enjoy the worship. Maybe, maybe, you know, a couple groups here and there, but I don't want to be privy to the, to, um, the struggles of my leaders, uh, the, the weaknesses. I don't want to be a victim of, um, you know, I can remember when I first shared my, SSA story with one of my first pastors. He, SSA means same, same sex, sex attraction. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, one of my first pastors. Um, he he straight up told me he's like, "Look, Tony, I don't know what to do with you." Like, yeah, I've heard that before. Because, you we, might not want to talk about that. You might, yeah, you might want to keep that to yourself because you know that the devil yeah. can really use that as a launching pad against you and and you know all this stuff, right? Especially right. twenty three years ago. It wasn't anything like what we see now. And so I can remember, like, and then he said, you know, I don't know what to do with you, so why don't you hang with me? Like, I want you to help me and serve in these different ways. And so, but I can remember the the insurmountable insecurity that I would have walking into a room full of men in a men's Bible study or whatever the case, feeling like I was such the odd man out and and really having to press into that against everything in my being saying, get out of here. Right. You know, men yeah. are not to be trusted. They're not to, so all this junk that I grew up with in my soul and, and experienced through, you know, living that lifestyle. Uh, and to come, you know, 23 years later into oftentimes now being, being very comfortable in a room full of men and, 
and and sometimes feeling like I might be one of the most secure ones in the room. That's so you know, yeah. yeah so I've, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you same way. So um, you know, God can really you can bloom where you're planted, right? And when you think about what it takes to you know grow a tree or a plant, you know there there's there's manure in that fertilizer, right? <laughs> There's some stuff that's not so. Thank pleasant, you for being tactful, right? Right. It's some. It's some. It's some junk you got to go through. Right. Right. Yeah. That. That. And sometimes we learn more from uh, the hurt mm. than we do um, from everything just going our way and and and, and uh, uh, having no problems. So, um, you know, keeping those things in mind that you know count it all joy. Your when test you, when becomes you, your testimony. Right. That's it. When you encounter trials and temptations of all kinds, you know, because God's only allowing those things to prove your faith. Right. And um, to allow you to, to do that in front of people who are watching and who and who need that hope that, that he gives. Right. That's good. I think this has been great. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Lord. Again, <laughs> if, if you've been... If you've enjoyed this and you, you have any questions for us, questions about faith, questions about... Church hurt. If you've experienced church hurt and need yeah. some help, you know, comment, uh, follow, subscribe, send a message, you know, um, and I can try and point you in the right direction and uh, maybe answer some questions for you. Um, and I just want to say, you know, I'm super grateful for you, Tony, uh, that you joined me in this, you've, you've just got such a wealth of knowledge and I love how you listen to God and I love how the Holy Spirit speaks to you through a lot more scripture than, (laughs) than I use. Um, and I'm, I'm working on that. My daily prayer is like, God, give me the wisdom to memorize scripture again, because I think there's some, because of all the hurt and stuff, you know, I have some in there, but I I can't tell you where they are in the Bible. Anyway, so I'm just, I'm, (laughs) I'm so grateful that you've, you've joined me on this. And, uh, this one went a little long. They might not always be this long. I hope you hung in until the end. Uh, we just had a lot to say about this topic and we are going to talk about some really great things coming up in the future. Yeah. Um, if you want us to talk about something in particular, put it in the comments. Yeah, put it in the comments. Um, and even if it's not like a full episode, we could take 10 minutes and talk about something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, put it in there. Um, but I would just love to close with some prayer over anybody uh, who is listening that has experienced this. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you perpetrated this and God is speaking to your heart that you need to ask for forgiveness or... Any, any of those things, right? right? And I, I just, would you pray for our I'd audience and over this, over this uh, podcast? Yeah. yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, this opportunity to share and just be transparent before your people. And God, first, we want to lift up um, anyone who's listening, who may be watching, who is stuck in the trap of offense, mm. especially offense in the church. And um, Father, I pray, we pray that you would meet them right where they are, that you would cause hope to rise up and that they would want to taste and see that you are good, that they would give um, it another shot and that they would step out in faith again. 
and again and again, and understanding that that the exercise of our exercise of our faith is not just a one-time thing, but it's a it's a lifestyle that you that you call us to. And so, Father, in the same way that you gift us with faith to receive our salvation, Father, you continue. I pray that you would continue to gift your people with faith to believe for the better, uh, with faith to live above offense when it offers mm-hmm. itself, for faith to believe that you've called us to live above the temptations and the things that would come to consistently try to pull us away from you, the faith to believe that even in our mess, you work all things together for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. And there's nothing that any of us have gone through or are going through that you're not using for our good. Yes, Jesus. Father, you're omnipresent, uh, you're omniscient, and you, you know the end from the beginning. And Father, you knew us before you even formed us in our mother's womb. And Father, you know us now, and you know where you're leading us to. Yes. So thank you for just that mindset of trust in you. Help us to um, hand over those things that may have us stuck. And um, I pray for every leader that this would have just been a reminder to lead with love. Um, that that love is the the most important thing that any of us could practice um, and live out before one another, that we overcome evil with good and um, help each of us to be ready and willing to give and provide that new experience to those that we're, we're serving with, that we would be the hands and feet of Christ, that we would lead well, and make this walk look attractive to those in our circle. Um, Thank you for being just in our conversation today, in the words that we spoke, and um, I pray that everything shared here would just fall upon good ground and that lives would be changed, uh, especially ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just going to leave you with, um, may the God of hope give you all peace and joy as you trust in him, as you believe in him. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That was so good. Thank you, Tony. I'm going to wake my dog up. She's been snoring this whole time. Yeah, Holly's snoring. (laughs) (laughs) I'll introduce her on a later Pray her right to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again for joining us today. Um, And again, follow, like, subscribe, share this with your friends, and let us know what you thought in the comments. Thank Thank you all. Thanks. Thanks.